I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm Randy Robson. I'm glad to have you here because we're hitting a topic that is a big one, and it's it's one of those big questions uh, that people have always had, uh, and so it needs to be addressed, and we're going to address it from a unique perspective today because that question is the one of suffering. Why would a good God allow people to suffer, especially people that follow him? Uh, and some will even say that, uh, you know, your physical health is a sign of your spiritual health. I can just tell you from scripture and from way too much evidence, that's just not true, <laughs> you know. So, uh, in fact, sometimes the physical difficulties are what uh, put you in a position where you're, you spiritually thrive. And, and that's possible. And if you're suffering physically, I want you to know that you can prosper and flourish spiritually. My guest today is Andrea Herzer, and she has a book telling her experience of just that called Incurable Faith. And if you need some devotions that will give you hope uh, and, and you're fighting some health issues, this would be the perfect book for you. And if you know someone that needs a little encouragement, you might just pick this one up and, and, and give it to them to give them encouragement. But I want you to hear Andrea's story today. Uh, and just wherever you're at, rest for a few minutes and let God encourage you through her story. Andrea, great to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you, Randy. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Just so people know where you're coming from, uh, let's walk through some of the tough stuff. Uh, tell us you know, what you've dealt with, what you continue to deal with, and, and how you're doing today. Yes, my story is not one of, I was sick, I'm healed, and now I'm here to tell you how you can be healed too. Mm -hmm. My story began over 20 years ago, shortly after the birth of our third child. Chronic pain and illness changed my life. I went from being a very active wife and mom busy in church, teaching Bible study, involved with mothers of preschoolers and taking my children to extracurriculars, all the things that moms do. And I went from that to being completely bedridden in pain, unable to walk. Mm. And understandably, I began to hunger for healing. And when you're hungry for healing, Randy, you order everything on the medical menu. Yep. And boy, did I, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes. So I, you know, went out of town to see specialists and I had procedures and infusions. And this would be just the beginning of my journey through health issues. So I knew that Jesus gives abundance. He gives an abundant life. He promises it to his followers. But at that time, I was not living an abundant life because not because I could no longer do activities. That's something separate altogether. I wasn't living a life of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. because I wasn't pursuing my healer. I was pursuing healing more than my healer. So I searched for a biblical guidebook to teach me how to live well, even if I never felt well. Mm. This was 20 years ago and failing to find one, 
I began to write down the lessons that the Lord was teaching me and the the tools and the biblical wisdom that I was finding were helping me to thrive again. So I would meet people at surgery centers and later during my cancer diagnosis, you know, next to me in the chemo chairs, and they wanted to know how it is possible to have strength throughout a long battle. And how, how are you smiling? You're sitting here having chemo. How, how, why do you still have a smile on your face? And so I wanted to share the things that I'd found with them. And that led to my book, Incurable Faith. So uh, the, the notes that I got, I don't, so I don't believe that I'm saying anything I shouldn't, uh, yeah. say that you, you've dealt with, you know, or I guess continue to deal with non-Hodgkin's yes. lymphoma. Uh, yes, I do. I have it right now. and Still? Mm-hmm. I just finished, I'm, I paused some of my treatment, but I've had it for seven years. Mm-hmm. And um, my first bout, I had two forms, one aggressive, and one is called indolent. It's an indolent form, which is harder to get rid of. So they just wait for it to grow mm-hmm. and impact your quality of life, and then they treat it. And so um honestly i guess it was december or maybe it was november december january i was in the hospital working on my manuscript because they were i was undergoing chemo wow uh and then what is complex regional pain syndrome Mm, it is a thankfully rare disease of the central nervous system and they do believe that there's an immune component, which that would bear out with me because non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is an autoimmune disease. Um, You know, it's a disease, it's a cancer of your blood cells Mm -hmm. and your immune system. So complex regional pain syndrome often comes on after an accident or an injury. And with me, it came on after an accident to my hand. I don't know if you can, I have a scar here. Yeah, I don't see it. And <laughs> yes, and it results in debilitating pain, crushing, burning. Um, if somebody you know has this disease, they are not faking it when they tell you it's the worst pain they've ever experienced. So that, and it, it, it can spread. So it spread from my hands to my knee, to my feet, and put me in a walker and a scooter for roughly nine years. Oh my word. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, what is, what's the prognosis medically for you? Well, as far as the complex regional pain goes, um, it's, it kind of sets up shop also in your brain. So your, your brain you get this thing called uh, centralized sensitization. And it's, are you familiar with people who have um, phantom limb disease and the Mm -hmm. limb is no longer there, but they still feel the pain or itching. It's Mm kind of like that where where you have a, a loop set up in your brain where people have had amputations with complex regional pain syndrome because it's that painful and then they still have the pain. Mm. So for me, it's a matter of um, doing things that help me 
to live with it, which of course I talk about in my book, um, the spiritual practices that give me strength, especially on the days when I'm overwhelmed by pain. But I also do physical things, um, special diets and water therapy and, um, you know, taking care of this temple that the Lord gives us all. <laughs> You're probably doing better than most of us in, in that, ironically. Uh, and and right. <laughs> for, forgive me for pressing on this, but just to lay a baseline, uh, I, I want people to know what kind of where you're coming from, because yes. this is serious. Last last medical question for you. Uh, and forgive my ignorance on, on uh, lymphoma, on the non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, mm-hmm. does, is, is that something that most people that have that just deal with the rest of their life? Is it something that cuts most people's lives short? What is, what, what, or does it go away? Can you beat it? That's a great question. Um, So in my case, I think every patient is different and there are a myriad of types of lymphoma. Mm. So the type that I have, when I was first diagnosed, I had an aggressive form and you have to treat it with aggressive chemotherapy, but it, once it went into remission, they don't expect that that one will come back. But I also have the indolent form that for me, my doctors have said that it's considered incurable, but treatable. Okay. So am I at risk? Is my life at risk when I do chemo? It is for me because I become very neutropenic, which means your white blood cells, you can't fight anything off. Um, but the Lord has my life. <laughs> yeah, went, all, that's right. All yeah. of my days are written in his book before one of them came to be. And I rest in that. And I didn't plan on sharing this, but I will share this. My doctor a year ago, June, said, you aren't going to be here by November. Your tumor burden is so big and it, it was impacting my kidneys. And I won't get into all the details, but we planned for that. Mm-hmm. We we planned for that and hoped for better and here i am i'm still here and the treatments were powerfully effective and so i think sometimes when you've been given a poor prognosis like a life limiting prognosis Mm -hmm. and a doctor speaks those words to you this is the end date Mm -hmm. it's really easy to forget that your life is truly in God's hands and he has a purpose in it. And healing may come later. Healing may come now on earth, but when we have the hope of salvation in Jesus Christ, we know we will receive healing and it's gonna be one way or another. Yeah, well, and you know, um, not to sound cold, but I mean, none of us make it out of this alive. You know, d- death is a part of life. Uh, and if it was the end, if it was the ultimate victory for the enemy, uh, you know, or if you don't believe in in any of that, if it, if it was just the end, it, it would be really hopeless. I lost my younger sister when she was 40 uh, from cancer, seven-year battle. I know. I know. So I remember guys. praying. I prayed mm. for your family during that time. Mm-hmm. That, that forced me to, to look at it albeit from an outsider perspective. Uh, and so I can't, I can, I can't even imagine how that looks from the insider perspective. I mean, you, you in a sense planned your funeral last year, uh, but yet 
you're still here. Let's let's get to the hope <laughs> because I, and I, yes. by the way, thank you for for allowing me to lay sort of that baseline of yes. your suffering, your battles. I think that gives people a, a real good sense of what you're about to say and what you've already touched on, which is mm-hmm. that there there there's more than a doctor's prognosis. Um, there's no, more than bad news, even in the bad news. Uh, so give us a little bit of an idea of, I mean, I just want to hear more, right? What, mm-hmm. what has God done in your life through this suffering? Oh, well, how long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> as much as you want. Because you can encourage people for as long as you want. It's just, <laughs> yes, well, this is, this is my area. So, you know, I, I'll be honest when I had been a Christian since I was 19 years old. And so I'd been a Christian for a while. I'd worked in ministry. I'd been a director of children's ministries mm-hmm. and I, you know, led Bible studies and things like that. But when I was first afflicted with pain that took me out of the running and took me away from the things I love to do. And when you find yourself isolated and laying in bed and saying, Lord, why couldn't I serve you better if I were healthy? Why are you allowing this? And at that time, I think when when I first became, became sick, I thought, well, surely the Lord will heal me. I will be healed from all of these things, and I'm going to go back to the life that I used to lead. Because in my ignorance, I was relying on my own understanding. I wasn't trusting the Lord and relying on Him. And that is a hard place to get to. But just like Jesus, we need to wrestle with those things and then say, not my will, but yours be done. And if I have to drink this bitter cup, Lord, I'll drink it. And we we need to surrender to the Father just like Jesus did, no matter what the suffering is. And I think once I finally, and it's, and it's, it's not like, well, now I know everything. And so it's going to be great from here on out. Any diagnosis, you know, come at me. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that it's different levels and stages as we know through, you know, a spiritual life, it's different levels of that realization and that understanding. And, um, the Lord has sifted things out of me that I didn't even recognize that I needed sifted. Mm. And I do address that in the book. And I talk about the things that we go to when um, the other gods that we turn to when we turn away from God. And I found myself using really unhealthy coping mechanisms Mm. to deal with the loneliness of illness to deal with the fact that I'd see on Facebook, my friends living these wonderful, wonderful seeming lives, right? We all know that that doesn't tell the whole story, but, but when you're bedridden and your only outing that month has been to a series of doctor's appointments, life, you can, you can let discouraging thoughts become the soundtrack to your life. And so I had to learn a way to break away from that and let God's word and his truth permeate my thoughts so much that joy and praise and worship became the soundtrack. 
Uh, a few years ago, I interviewed Johnny Erickson Tata, who, you know, has just, it's daily suffering with her. Um, she said that she has an advantage over the rest of us because we all need God every day. We all rely on him fully, 100%, I'm paraphrasing. And we just don't realize it. She realizes it. Did, yes. What did that realization that, I mean, your your life was held in God's hand and God's hand only. The doctors had given up. You'd done everything you could. Um, did What did that realization do for you? Well, to piggyback, firstly, on Johnny Erickson Tata's um, beautiful ministry and, and her point about relying on God, when you, I, I would go through seasons, and and actually this is still, this is a daily thing. I lay in bed in burning and crushing pain, and I pray that the Lord would fill me with his Holy Spirit, that he would help me push past these things. And one day I was, I was bedridden. I couldn't get up. I couldn't shower. I couldn't do anything. And I realized that I was sinking into my soft mattress and that I was completely surrendered to that foundation. And it reminded me that I need to surrender to the foundation of Christ, that he is my foundation. And I needed to sink my thoughts into worship in that moment. Because when I sink my thoughts into the comfort of worship, the Lord restores healing contentment to my soul. Uh, you know, the hard part about that is, is that is God's desire for all of us, you know, to to conform us to the image of Christ, uh, Scripture says, uh, mm-hmm. and, and to make our souls prosper. And, you know, we twist that in all sorts of sometimes ugly ways. Um, do you, do you ever, uh, this may be the entirely wrong question to ask, but I'm curious, do you ever ask, in a sense, the way Jesus did, Lord, you know, if this, let this cup pass from me, you know, you've got my attention, uh, you know, I, I am yours, I'm relying on you, can you get, can this part go away, do you ever, do you ever have that prayer? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> and, and not only for myself. But just because you are a person who has uh, severe health issues doesn't mean that your family's exempt. And it doesn't mean that you don't also sometimes become a caregiver for your family members. So I I think I probably pray that more for family members that are sick, that who I love dearly. But then I also know that the Lord, as you said, he sanctifies us. He He wants us to be holy. He wants us to have more of him. He wants to fill us with his abundance. And when we're busy pursuing what we think is abundance, you know, well, I'm busy in activities and I'm busy in ministry and I'm doing this and mm. I'm doing that. And I'm working for you, Lord. And the Lord is saying, spend time with me. How's your soul? How's your soul faring? Are you filling up with me? Are you walking in the spirit on a daily basis? Because we do not walk by sight. And so if you look at my medical charts, which are like this, right? Uh, Actually, 
little aside, I had a doctor um, who was coming in to look at me. She was going to do a port surgery on me. And she just kind of went like this. And she said, Is, are you the patient? And I said, yes. <laughs> and she said, I just saw your medical chart and I was expecting a 78 year old woman. Oh. And so when that's your reality, of course, you're going to plead with the Lord, please take this. But you, I, I've also learned that the Lord has given me so much more through this is going to sound um, like it's not even possible. And, and, but we have, we serve a God of the impossible, right? Yeah, yeah. And he truly has redeemed and is redeeming these seasons of suffering and what I don't gain here. And this is true for all of us who are in Christ, what we don't gain here, we're going to gain later. And that, that weight of glory is going to be so much greater than anything that we suffer here on earth. I often wonder, I mean, you know, we know a little bit about heaven. We have some, a lot of weird ideas about heaven, but I often wonder, I'm like, God, are you preparing some of these people for something later that we can't even fathom? Uh, mm. People like Johnny Erickson, it, yourself, you know, mm -hmm. you just go, why do you let them, you know, or make them, depending on your theology, go through that? And I think maybe one day we'll go, oh, wow. <laughs> okay, I see. Um, I, Can I reference someone else? Yeah, yeah, Who, yeah. And you know what? I actually talk about Johnny in my book that her ministry, how it was born out of suffering. And I'm going to, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to pick up. Sure. I was just reading this earlier in my Bible. <laughs> um, but because I want to read, I, I know the passage, but I want to read the entire passage. So Paul, as we know, had that tormenting thorn in his flesh. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, people speculate that it was probably something physical. And, and I believe that it probably was by the way he describes it, because mm -hmm. I, I have I've <laughs> experienced that type of torment. And um, this is what he says, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn. And we don't often think about that, but he had these revelations mm -hmm. from the Holy Spirit, this depth that he put into what is now God's word. And he said, I pleaded with the Lord, you know, three times to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my powers made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So Christ's power may, may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and hardship persecutions and difficulties for when I am weak, then I am strong and strength. I was just pondering this the other day. Strength is not truly a feeling. Strength from the Lord. We don't always feel that what we feel instead is overwhelming weakness. Mm -hmm. And that's when we're the strongest when we're relying on him in it. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, it's just this, it's, it's tough to, to watch sometimes. Uh, and that's why I, I love even the witness that you're, you know, you're giving here on zoom today. Um, it's powerful and, and it's, it's palpable. I want to show people the book real quick. This is incurable faith by Andrea Herzer. Uh, and you know, as you can tell, if, if you, especially if, if you're going through this and I know, uh, some people in my audience, regulars in the audience, uh, Judy specifically, um, they face 
you know, chronic pain. Um, and I, I, I just hope that, you know, this encourages you today, but maybe you, you can get that. And if you need help getting uh, Andrea's book, I'll be glad to help you. So just drop me a note. Um, because this is, this is the big leagues, I think, with God, you know. Um, I don't know all that he's doing. I can't pretend to know all that he's doing, but I know he's doing something. And I know when we surrender to him, you know, it, he, he comes alongside us in these hard times. Um, I, I would, if you'll indulge me, Andrea, can I ask you a couple of sort of theological questions? You can, you can ask. I don't know if I'll be able to answer, but well, I'll give yeah, it, my is, best it, shot. I don't Certainly. mean, I don't mean like, like a seminary quiz or anything. I just, <laughs> okay, I, first, first of all, what, what is, what is your background? I was, I was raised in a Southern Baptist church, but then I went to Oral Roberts university. I've, I've kind of been on a lot of sides of these things. Um, what, how, what's a little bit of your background? Just cause that'll tell me a okay, little so, bit maybe. Yes, I, I actually have two. I've, I've been the gamut. Okay. So, I was raised um, going to Baptist and Presbyterian churches, but I became a believer. And I mean, complete life change, throwing away bags of, do you remember cassette tapes? That's how old I am. So just complete life change. And which to my parents, great delight and joy, because they had prayed for a lot of years for this. And then I went to a church that was a little bit more charismatic. And and then found myself in non-denominational Bible church. Yeah. Um, but I've, you know, done uh, BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, okay. and um, lots okay. of. Okay, so fairly fairly well rounded is kind of what what, uh, yes. what I was wondering. So yes. you've heard you've heard these things uh, that your your faith just is the thing that hasn't made you well. Oh yes, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Wait, I have. So, so what's your reaction to that? Because that one kind of, but that one irritates me. <laughs> that one irritates me too, because <laughs> I, I, you know, the Lord says all we need is a mustard seed of faith, mm-hmm. and faith is a gift from God. So, God can heal me regardless of my faith, sure. and we even see that in Scripture. So when um, other people came to Jesus for their loved one, he healed their loved one. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even that the loved one who who was yeah. sick that yeah. that had the faith. It were it was the other people yeah. in their lives. So what I finally and I actually talk about this quite a bit in the book, mm-hmm. the things that people have said to me and the burden of offense that that makes illness heavier to bear mm. because it, we can become, and I think I said something like, if you have not been offended in your sickness, then you're either not listening or, or you haven't been sick very long because it, it comes. Mm. And so I think sometimes it depends on who is speaking to me, how I respond. There are times when we need to just have that gentle answer or remain silent and pray for the person. But then there are times when we might try and say, where, where is this in scripture and where do you see this? And let's look at Job and let's look at what his miserable comforters said to him. Yeah. And, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And what the Lord, um, the Lord said, Job will pray for you 
and I will forgive you. Job had to pray for his friends and, and the Lord forgave his friends that were speaking, um, just uh, wrong. basically lies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, they're just out of turn and you know, they just had a flawed, uh, ideology or even theology. That's right. Say. Yeah. That's okay. right. Um, let's hit both sides of this best thing, worst thing. What's the best thing? Well, let's start with the worst thing. What's the worst thing that someone can do when they have a loved one, uh, such as yourself who is facing chronic pain? Um, what, what do people do that they think they're helping, but absolutely they are not. Well, I'm going to answer first by saying, I think the worst thing somebody can do is say things like, I'll wait till you get better and then we'll get together again. Oh, and I've had that happen. I've had that happen. And I'm like, well, it's 20 years and you know, I have better days and, but I do, I still have cancer. Am I still in pain? Did I have to have an epidural just so I could sit here and be in this discussion with you today? Yes. Oh wow. So, you know, just because somebody is sick, doesn't mean that they need you to exit their lives. Mm -hmm. That is the most painful thing. People going on busy in their healthy lives. Well, someone is wondering where did all my friends go? Mm -hmm. And why are they too busy in ministry and serving and praying for other people? And um, so that, and I see that everywhere. I have a number of friends who are also sick or maybe they're authors and they also write in this space of of dealing with health issues and they they have seen a lot of isolation by friends that are just have moved on in their healthy lives you know some of that may come from the way some of us and i point the finger right here are because i know when i i had an accident a few years ago uh, i was in the hospital a week and recovering for several weeks um and just my personality i i didn't want everybody come and visit me i didn't, I didn't want people in the hospital i was like no nah, i will when i'm fine then then we'll talk and i think sometimes we project that but i i take your point and that we yes. need to not abandon people at the same time and and then and maybe give them the the option of saying yes come see me or not today maybe tomorrow you know and if we just make that assumption that, you know, well, they need to be left alone because they're in pain that, that we could even inadvertently in, inadvertently, um, make that mistake. And, and so that, that's a good word. What's the best thing people have done for you in your pain? Honestly, the best thing is to come by my house, pray with me, yeah, even so. if it's for just a moment. Mm. And sometimes people, especially if it's a new diagnosis, you're so overwhelmed. You don't even know what you need. Maybe you're going from specialist to specialist and now you have all these appointments and oftentimes the burden falls on the family mm. to drive you from place to place. My husband, God bless him. He is has been my primary caregiver. He has taken me I've had over a hundred nerve blocks and epidurals and surgeries and procedures. I stopped counting after a hundred and he takes off of work. Now it would, it's a blessing for people to say, not only what do you need, but maybe even suggest things. Mm -hmm. And there, there are some caregiver websites that, that have lists that, that have, 
these type of suggestions. Can I come over and do your laundry? Mm. Can I can I bring you one of your favorite smoothies? Or can I can I just show up and sit with you during chemo? And the it, that way you you put the onus on the person who's sick in a season when they have they feel like they have very little choice. You're not just telling them what you're going to do for them. You're allowing them the privilege of still retaining their dignity, mm. which is really important. Mm. That's good. That's good. Oh, boy, it's so good. Last thing I will ask you, and I will give you a chance to say anything you want here at the end, is to that person who just got that diagnosis. They're at the front end of what you've been battling for years. What, what, what would you tell them? Well, I, there's a there's a lot of advice, but I will I will boil it down to this, and it touches on everything that we've just talked about about your faith being, you know, evidence of you know your healing and things like that. But I would say that your health issues and your diagnosis is not the barometer of God's favor, blessing, or love for you. Mm. And I'd also remind them that nothing can take away your position in the body of Christ, your role in the body of Christ. You may be a little bit down for the count. You may be no longer able to do the things that you love to do to exercise your gifts, but his gifts and his call are irrevocable. So I just want people to remember that the activities that fill your life are not indicative of your role in the body of Christ mm. that will never change that's good that's good that and you know that's scripturally sound and encouraging and uh, somebody needs to hear that <laughs> if, if you're that person hear that come back and watch this again and you know you pick up Andrew's book if it because it will encourage you let's just be honest I want to show you her website as well this is andreaherzer.com um, there's my music, andreaherzer.com, H-E-R-Z-E-R. -E uh, and you can, you can get the book. She's got a blog. Uh, you can contact her if you need to. Um, but just, you know, take advantage of the resources of her experience, of the things that she's put out there to help you. Uh, if you're a caregiver or if you're going through this, uh, you know someone who is, um, these the whole reason we're doing this is to help you, uh, the viewer who, who is in need of this. So, so please, um, don't just suffer in silence. Um, as some that I've talked to on this topic have said, um, learn to suffer well, which sounds almost cruel, but it is mm -hmm. possible. And I've seen it, uh, Andrea, anything you want to add, anything I missed? I just want to make sure I cover everything with you. Well, I think, and um, the last thing I'd like to add is that caregivers can also be encouraged because sometimes the people they care for aren't able to give voice to what their experience is, and maybe they don't want to burden the person further. So understanding from a patient's perspective is helpful, but also caregivers do deal with they may not deal with the limitations of, of a health issue as far as the disability or things like that or the pain, but they certainly deal with 
the same confusion and questions and overwhelm and anxieties that I've I've tried to deal with in my book so that the reader feels as though they have been met by a compassionate friend who's gone through similar things and that the Lord would impart something to them that will strengthen them for the rest of their journey. Mm, yeah, well, you have been through it and you are encouraging people and I, I just want to say thank you. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Randy. Thank you guys for watching. Again, if you know someone that needs to hear this, hit that share button. Give them some encouragement. Uh, and if you haven't liked, followed, or subscribed, do that and come back for more Life Today Live. We'll see you again next time. We move on the vast, limitless sea of divine mercy.